I'm J-Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. You're looking a lot more illuminated today. Illuminate. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Whatever. Um, yeah, you're probably the first to see it. They didn't get here in time last week. But anyways, I'd, I'd posted on Twitter a couple weeks back like, hey, what are all the you know hip kids doing with this? cool lighting and stuff you know we see all these cool setups and like frake of course posted a picture of his and it was like super awesome so i basically bought like all these like phillips hue you know <laughs> lighting products right so let's let's check this out so here here we go here we got concentrate oh that's very i've got to narrate this this is very blue and kind of yeah serious yeah. feeling yep here's here's energize oh that's interesting it's a little lighter Let's go Savannah Sunset. Oh, that's nice and warm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and here we go. Here's some. We're going to leave this for the podcast. What is this? This is, this is like tropic. Purple. This is tropical twilight. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. It does feel very coterie. Yeah. You probably won't be able to see this as much on your side, but I got a desk strip too for the for the back of the desk. Ah, so nice. I pop that sucker on and you get... But you don't get the feel of how it changes the room. You you might see I'm a little brighter. All I can see is, yeah, just, just you. But, I mean, it's a big improvement over the last few weeks where you've basically been in the shadows. So. Well, that's because the normal lamp that I have on my desk, which I kind of use as a, like a camera lamp um, generically, like the bulb went out. And so that was kind of the kicker to finally like get my setup right and quit being a chump. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, cheers to that. Cheers. Oh, what beer is that? Mm. This week... We're going Italian this week. I, I made some. Um, I made an Italian dinner okay. tonight. So this is uh, this is a Moretti beer, a Moretti, but it's their La Rosa, which is like uh, a red ale or a Doppelbach. Right. It's probably a little darker than a red, but yeah, caramely. It's like the hops are roasted to the point where they're kind of sweet instead of like really fresh. They're more like on the sweet caramelized side. Nice. So, but it's it's from Italy. We got it when we were in Italy, so it just it made me feel, nice. you know, the vibes of Italy again. One of these days, I'm going to have to start drinking in the morning so I can have one as well. <laughs> yeah. Do you even have any coffee or anything? Or I do. Tea or anything? Just got my regular canteen of coffee. Canteen of coffee. That's a lot. It's not full, but yeah, keeps it warm. Is it any kind of like special bean or roast? Uh, it's a Merlot espresso. I don't know if you guys have Merlot. I don't even really know what Merlot is. Other than it's a place where I get coffee. Merlot? Like the wine? Yeah, it's pronounced the same. Oh, it's like a place. Yeah. Well, it's like a coffee brand, but they also have coffee shops. So. I gotcha. I gotcha. Kind of like, probably not like Starbucks, but Starbucks is a place, but they also sell a bean. Yeah. Probably like that. Kind of concept. But I like the canteen because when I code, I get, you know, kind of in the zone. Yeah. And my coffee goes cold. Oh, I can't so do it. I've got this like thermally insulated thing that I always keep warm coffee. I'm still pretty new to coffee, so I, I'm glad to try it as I go like other places and try different beans and espressos and, you know, number of shots and all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, once it's past warm, like lower than warm, like cold or cool, I can't, cannot cannot do it. do it. And some people like microwave it, you know? Yeah, I sometimes microwave it to heat it back up again. Really? Yeah. Doesn't that feel strange no no more strange than lukewarm coffee 
I guess. It just seems weird to me. I don't know. I can't, I haven't gone down the microwave path. I think that's when you're really, really dedicated slash addicted to coffee is when you microwave your coffee to warm it back up. Yeah. I mean, generally I don't need to now with the canteen, but yeah. Yeah. Canteen solves your problems. And I probably am going to get a bunch of ads for the saying that about coffee and microwaving, (laughs) but whatever. All right. So should we talk about code instead of coffee for a bit? Yes. They do go hand in hand, though, in they fairness. Do. They really do. But yes, let's do talk about code. Um, so this time I kind of injected an episode, if you will. We kind of, kind of, pl- you know, we plan these out loosely, the things we want to talk about. But I felt like even the first episode and, and definitely the most recent episode, episode um, two of the season or 24 overall, you know, when we were talking about the container, we just kind of stumbled on some like OOP topics and some areas that I know I was cutting myself short on. And I just thought, you know what, let's just inject a quick episode and just kind of chat about some of those things. Sweet. So yeah, so I guess since it was kind of my thought, I'll, I'll get the ball rolling on just kind of the things. But like, I feel when you're using a framework, specifically Laravel in this case, that there are ways in which like we kind of mentioned in episode one but also you know i go into great detail in like base level of grokking the framework like this core principle of like just wanting to align yourself with the way the framework does things also so it feels seamless and natural and all that stuff yeah and because of that i feel like some oop practices don't have as strong as a place in them, even though like obviously Laravel is, is, you know, object oriented and so forth. There's just some of the, like the finer details in there that maybe they're used of course, but like they're not necessarily as common. And so it makes more sense to maybe do things one way versus another. Okay. So let's get more specific then and tell me sort of some examples of what you're thinking of. Sure. So yeah, the most immediate example for me and something I see a lot with not only shift, but obviously there's like the the linter that shift offers and the fixer where it like kind of runs through and, and checks these kind of practices within your application. It just makes recommendations. It's not something you have to change, but it's just like, hey, notice that you are inheriting from some kind of base class instead of model or controller, for example, within your application. Yeah, so like people that create like a base controller and a base model that extends Laravel's and they extend their own one. Exactly. And what you'll find on the surface, there doesn't seem to be much wrong with that, right? Because OOP is like, oh, cool, you've you know, made this parent class to like share things that you do commonly in your application with. So on the surface, it's like super innocent and kind of borderline naive because what really ends up happening with a lot of these classes, at least from my experience, which is not a small amount of experience. I mean, I've worked on hundreds of Laravel applications at this point. Most of the applications that end up using base model have a tougher time maintaining or managing that application because those classes that they've injected, the base model or the base controller, have become this catch-all for like anything and everything that the application might do that's custom, but not every model or controller does, and or places to override core behavior in the framework, which is super dangerous because by the time you roll three or four versions, like you just don't 
really know what save was supposed to do anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you overwrote delete or save or update or you overwrote, you know, the constructor for your controller and you set all these properties in it. Like that is very hard to untangle. Yeah. I mean, the constructor on the controller one, you're kind of encouraged to change the constructor on a controller, not on a base controller, but on like a regular controller to insert controller middleware and all that sort of stuff. Would you say encouraged though, really? You're given an option. If you want to do controller specific middleware, that's one way you can do it is in the constructor. Yeah. But not on a base controller. Yeah, but that's the point. The The base controller adds that additional layer of complexity. Like, yeah. again, yeah, you're right. On the surface, there doesn't appear to be anything wrong with putting these types of things in a constructor. But once you abstract that one more layer deep, where now there's also potentially things in this base controller's constructor, the parent constructor, which then calls Laravel's parent, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it starts to just become a little abstracted. And OOP would tell us, oh, that's a good thing. But it just becomes kind of this breeding ground for copied code or shared code that down the road is very, very complicated to untangle. I yeah. Mean, it, it becomes spaghetti to the Italian theme. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that annoys me or frustrates me, I should say, about overriding some of these things is that if I come into a project... I know how Laravel works. Exactly. But when I come into a project where things have been changed, like overridden in a non-Laravel way, I have a certain set of expectations about what's going to happen when I call a certain method. And if mm. something else happens, it's just kind of jarring. Um, yeah. So it's it's harder to bring on new people. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like home anymore, right? Because yeah. you have an expectation of the way Laravel you know, behaves. And in a way, there's some learning and experience that that's been there. And all of that gets thrown out the window. Once you kind of start doing kind of this custom stuff, like, there's an equal argument to be made of like, well, why didn't you just make your own custom framework with a bunch of underlying packages that you glued together with a base model and a base controller? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're just going to start overriding things like super deep, right? Like, you're kind of not doing the framework anymore. Which coincidentally, is kind of ironic because some people make the argument, oh, well, I want to make sure to like separate myself from the framework, you know, I, and just in case the framework changes, I don't want save to change in my application. And it's kind of like, <laughs> whoa, what? Yeah. And in hindsight, you know, we can giggle about it. But in the moment, like somewhere in there, that seems like the right thing to do, you know? And it's just, I'm here to say, just double, double check yourself. When you have those moments where like, I'm going to make a base model and share this with all my models because I want this like one specific thing to do all the stuff. Yeah. There's generally like, obviously it depends on, on what you're doing, but if you want to like inject into the save process, you've got like eloquent events. Exactly. That can probably do what you're trying to do. Yeah. The examples that I can think of where I don't have an answer is when... Like, say you want to change the date format globally. Yeah. Does Laravel have a way to change the date format globally for all of your models? I don't know about globally, but uh, yeah. So instead of griping, here, here's some alternatives. So to your point, yes, there's potentially baked in ways to do it within the model itself by overriding a constant or a particular method for that singular model. 
And then there's also ways to do it maybe a little more elegantly with observers, right? Like model observers or something. You know, if you need to tweak save, yep. you could do it instead that way. But yes, you're right. Once once you start truly needing to share something, now that doesn't mean with every model, it just means, you know, share more than one or two or three or four. This is where grokking the framework really starts to shine in my mind. If you look at Laravel, yes, it uses inheritance, but it's pretty rare to find something, even when you start digging down into the framework, that inherits something kind of multiple levels, right? Something's normally just one level. Like if you look at model, for example, that's an abstract class. Like that's that's yeah. one level. I mean, I would even argue it's a half level because it's not even its own class. It's an abstract above it, Yeah. right? So... What you do find, though, the pattern that you do find in Laravel, which is arguably still something similar, are traits. Mm -hmm. And they decorate the crap out of stuff like models and even controller. Break open the base controller, same thing. Yeah. It has, you know, an abstract class, or at least it used to be. And then, you know, you have things like authorizes, dispatchable, and all that kind of stuff, or dispatches jobs. And it's one of those things where I would rather personally put use custom date format whatever you know your trade is yeah. to set up those custom date formats on all of my models than saying extends base model there's less breeding ground yes i mean you've got to remember to do it but you've also got to remember to extend the base model anyway exactly and i think laravel now lets you customize the stubs that get generated when you say make model or make controller or any of that sort of stuff that's right the biggest benefit though to me is that it puts it right in your face like when you open that model you go oh use custom date format or whatever it might be it's really explicit that it's pulling in some extra functionality or features yeah the communication is so worth it like pound for pound like keystroke for keystroke it's the same in fact you could argue it's less because extends is longer than use right is from a trait <laughs> versus inheritance so anyway but the point being is like yes the communication of it the readability of it to the base code and base Laravel points extends base model tells me nothing i don't know what i'm extending inside of there i don't know what i need out of there i don't know what base model is giving me it's base model i gotta go look at it yeah. but if i have use i don't know let's think of it like a better name date format like use ISO 8601, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> sure. whatever it is. The point is, is like, if you had that use ISO format in your trait, there would be some communication of not only what it does, but what it's limited to doing. Yes. You're not going to go overriding save in ISO date format. No, you'll hook into other things if you needed to. Sure. But yeah, I really like the way that like the eloquent, like the model class has also separated out a lot of the things it can do into traits and they've been named like concerns. Yes. So it's like, you know, has attributes, has timestamps, you know, has guarded, all those sorts of things that it can do. And I don't think those traits are used anywhere else. I think they're like one-off traits, right? Yeah, they're total one-offs. Exactly. But they, they really separated out and kind of grouped together all those things. So I think that's a side benefit of using a trait. It doesn't have to be something you want to share with 20 classes. It can just be something where you've got related functionality that you don't want to kind of muddy up the rest of it. Yeah, that's kind of the pinnacle of grokking the framework. Again, if you if you go down and you find these patterns that Laravel does and you use them and honor them inside of your own application, it just creates, again, that cohesion, that, that fluidity between your code and Laravel's code where they almost start in a way to appear one and the same. It's not jarring 
like, hey, I'm doing stuff like super Java in my app with like interfaces and triple inheritance and all this stuff. You know, it's like you have this nice name. Like I want to look at a model and see that a trait and think, man, is that yours or is that Laravel's? Wow. I don't even know. Exactly. Yeah. And like to that point, I think it's good to try and match the naming conventions as well. Yeah. Like none of Laravel's traits have the trait suffix, for example. So I tend to try and do the same thing. Also, I tend to use like a concerns directory rather than a traits directory just because that feels more laravel Yeah, that's the beauty of this whole practice is at first, you know, it feels maybe a little annoying. Again, it feels a little, you know, JMac, get off my lawn kind of thing. But like <laughs> the point is, though, is that when you challenge yourself to try some of these, that's exactly what happens. You start seeing, well, how much farther can I take this? How much closer to Laravel can I feel? Okay, I'm using a trait now, but hey, I can make the name better. Hey, I can call it concerns just like Laravel does. Like you have so many patterns for the ways to do things right in front of you, like from Laravel, just a click away, you know, depending on your IDE to kind of search and explore and browse and then and then bring back into your own application, so. Yeah, and to that point, I think, you know, it's quite common to create service classes, these kind of like one-off things that do some behavior. Laravel doesn't have a services directory sure they've got a support directory yeah and that's where they keep things like helpers and the the array and string helps all that sort of stuff so i like to try and use that convention as well so i'll often have a support directory where i'll put you know there's one-off things that you know it's not a model it's not a controller it doesn't have its own kind of place it's just this nice little reusable piece of code yeah i was talking with taylor about that actually the other week because you know some i'm getting ready to release the stats thing for shift and you know the number one directory kind of outside of laravel's core directories you know the ones that you can make or come with the framework you know is a you know services type directory or a libraries or something and you know i was sharing that information with him and and um he was saying you know oh i well i like support and yeah it totally just like dawned on me like well duh support that's what the framework uses too you know so like I'm totally in that. I mean, whether it's services or support, again, there's something to be said for consistency. But yes, you could even take it further and just throw things in support. Yeah, as long as it doesn't become like a dumping ground for everything. I mean, to me, it's kind of like almost like a last resort location. Yeah, I think if you try, you can normally find that you're putting something in one of the other classes because you're probably like artisan making it. Yeah. And like that's going to more than likely generate a, a home for it already. But even if you're not, again, that can be a challenge to say, oh, what am I using this class for? You know, like, what is its purpose? So yeah, I'm, I'm actually okay with a services folder or a support folder being a bit of a dumping ground at first, okay. and then kind of doing like, the rule of three, like once I have a few things in there, like, what are these things really doing? If they're totally doing separate things, then whatever, I'm fine. But if a few of them are doing kind of the same thing, yeah. maybe they're, um, you know, adapter or something for, for some API endpoint or a client for some kind of service, like, I don't know, maybe I'll make a clients folder or something like that. Yeah, true. Or a support clients. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. So at first, yeah, I don't mind it. But again, that might just be me. Cool. So was there uh, any other ones you wanted to touch on? Uh, I think the traits is the big one, but, um, you know, one of the other things that I probably don't use a lot, but is obviously pretty core to Laravel are like service providers or like interfaces. 
I'll still see a lot of classes do those. And it was huge in 4.2. Anytime I go and upgrade an old 4.2 application, it's, I would say, a majority of the time, like almost 90 to 100% of the time, there's, you know, interface classes in there that bind to some kind of concrete thing through the container. And we talked about this in the last episode, yeah. but it's just, that's another example of kind of these OO, like traditional OOP patterns that there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. But we just kind of don't need to force Laravel to behave that way. There's other ways in which to either just use the concrete directly. You can still resolve it through the container and get all the benefits. Or, you know, there's newer patterns that, again, grok the framework, such as like real-time facades. True. So the point is, yep. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of real-time facades. Like, Yeah, me too. The whole dance of like making the facade accessor, registering the facade in the service container. Like it's Yeah, there's a lot of kind of just scaffolding code to do yeah what can be done now with just a, a kind of a sneaky namespace <laughs> exactly yeah so i think that's really smooth and again it's it's kind of the pinnacle in my mind of of the whole grokking the framework because you get those facades which have been around forever and it's you know better or worse it's a trademark of laravel yeah you can still have your service object that's completely separate but you can use them everywhere else in your code by name explicitly communicating hey this is a facade yeah so i think those are cool yeah i agree yeah so again a lot of these things they're they're things that i definitely believe in and have come to realize but i also at the same time understand that you know we're all in kind of different places with our experience and usage of laravel so i i know what it might sound like to some because i i remember a situation i was in just to kind of have a, a quick story was like I was working on iOS and it was it was pre-Swift so it was like Objective C so it was it was probably like 2010 so it was a while ago but I was pretty new to uh, Objective C and, and iOS but I'd had some success with some applications and I had gone to WWDC and I like you know I was just really into it and I thought I like knew all my stuff and you know I had been promoted on all these other things so I was I was feeling really good about like my programming stuff but I remember they brought in this consultant because we were behind on like reaching this target launch and we were in this meeting and we were just like I remember like just trying to explain why we were building something the way in which we were building it which mm -hmm. you know to the point was very you know heavy OOP just all this stuff we were writing it basically we were writing it like Java code and again nothing with Java but we were writing Objective-C not Java yeah and he kind of just said like well you know, you don't need to write it that way, like inheritance and these things, they're just, you know, they're unneeded. And I was like, I remember taking offense to it. I was like really offended. I was like, I was like, okay, so like unneeded. I was like, so basically everything they taught me and, you know, CS and blah, 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 like, you know, is wrong. And he was just yep. like, yeah. He just like <laughs> looked at me and said, yep. And I was like, oh, I was so mad. But the funny thing was, and again, it took time. He was pretty much right. He was pretty much right. Like, you know, did the conversation need to be like as aggressive as it was on both sides? Probably not. But he had a point. And the point was, that's just not how Objective-C did it. Okay. Mm. There was nothing wrong with inheritance or these things that I had learned or these things I was even trying to do. It wasn't the place to use them. Yeah. There's no, there's no rule where you can just say always do this or never do this. Like exactly. Anytime someone says that is probably 
very short-sighted and probably wrong. Exactly. So it's it's one of those things that I realize it's a very fine line when you try to share your experience with these things and and sounding just like what you're trying to prevent. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's very tough. Um so yes, everything is a it depends. Everything has trade-offs. But I think the point I was trying to make and the point, you know, this consultant was making with me a long time ago was just it was one and the same basically. You have to pay attention to how you're using stuff and the way in which you're using it and what you're using it for. And so in this case, you know, if you're writing Laravel, take the opportunity to see the way in which Laravel does it and see if the thing that you're trying to apply makes sense, you know? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that maybe sends people down that path is learning about things like solid. Because I remember wanting to really try and write super solid code in Laravel. Yeah. And that was the thing that led me down the path of creating interfaces for everything and all this sort of stuff. And at the end of the day, Laravel itself is quite solid under the hood. And as a framework, it needs to be in a lot of ways. But our application code often is quite specific. And yeah, I think by containing things together... Like, for me, it's about writing code that's easy to delete is, is where I normally try and focus things. So I'll group concerns together if those concerns would all be deleted together. Sure. So that if I need to remove something, go and find all these other places where it's kind of spread and surgically remove them all. Yeah, I like that. I like code that you can delete because it makes you think, yeah, of those times when you wanted to change something. And, and yeah, like you said, it's it's webbed out into like six other places. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I think it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, you, you just kind of have to see, but we're all going to write code kind of our own way. So take it or leave it. It's my own experience from these things. So yeah. anytime I do one of these tweets to your own point about solid and so forth, there's always, you know, a handful of people that come back and, you know, they'll say, hey, that doesn't read as well for me. Or hey, uh, if, yeah, if you do it that way, you won't be able to abstract this into that and this breaks, you know, SRP. And it's just kind of like, okay, sure. You know, if that's a, if that's a priority for you, then, then good, you yeah. know. Um, but it's not a priority for me. Yeah. I think one really practical example is the need some people feel to not put anything on their models other than like, like leave them just very databasey. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think it's quite popular in Laravel and, you know, effectively a convention to actually put a lot of the, the capabilities and the affordances that your model can do on the model. Yeah. And ever since I started doing that, I've just found my code's a lot easier to write, a lot easier to maintain, and a lot easier to go back to later on yeah. and see what it's what it's doing. Yeah. If any if anything out of Laravel is probably gonna be heavy, it you know, I would say it probably should be the model. Yeah. And you know, going back to kind of what we alluded to before, like you wanna strive, or at least I strive within my Laravel applications to really just use only the core components that Laravel gives you so definitely model view controller of course but then you know whatever else again you can artisan make yeah would be acceptable as well so anything beyond that I really try to be very hard on myself and say wait what am I using this for what is what does this afford me you know what is this allowing me to do yeah I don't want a custom installation of Laravel I want a completely standard installation yeah and I think that was good what you said earlier about not wanting to have to guess kind of like what the framework does. Like you come in with these expectations that Laravel does this thing yeah. 
And if it's suddenly not doing that, it, it really kind of shakes your faith in a way. You know? Yeah. And you just don't really feel as confident developing with it. And if you've got multiple projects and you're like, oh, this one does this thing this way and this one does it different. Yeah. To me, it's just not a nice way to work. Yeah. So anyways, hopefully some stuff to think about. You know, I'll admit I'm a little opinionated about it, but I'm also, like I said, I've just seen this a lot and, and worked with teams and developers that maybe had made these decisions and seen how they regretted them later and how it made their life harder. But, you know, at the same time, there's also teams, for example, I know I know the Spassi team, they have a lot of conventions that are that are very on the other side of the extreme of Laravel. You know, they are practically saying, don't extend controller at all. Just make, you know, completely your own controller. And, you know, some of these different principles that work, they work for them, yeah. you know, and that they have conventions and kind of a team policy and, and they probably talk about this stuff. So they're familiar with them. It's not, yeah. it's not foreign to them. Yeah. You basically need your own documentation that's like, this is where we differ from Laravel. So read the Laravel docs and then come read here for everything that we do different. <laughs> Whereas for a lot of teams, if you can use the Laravel documentation and have that be your, your documentation, you get that for free. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I think, I think that was a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know, griping, I guess, on my part. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully some good tips. Hopefully, so. yeah. Food for thought. Indeed. All righty. Cool. I will see you next week then. See you next week. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 25.